Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Folks, we're going on grid. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Here on Fantasy Sports Today, we're diving into the third base position in fantasy in 2020. We're talking about some of the players we like, also some sleepers this hour, and some potential busts as Fantasy Sports Today is back right now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back. This is Hour 2 of Fantasy Sports today uh, on Pluto TV, Zumo TV, Stir, YouTube, and, of course, SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish along with Frank Stamfel here on the show, recapping everything that is happening in uh, fantasy baseball and also everything happening across the world of sports. Frank, uh, good afternoon. What's on the lunch menu for you today? What's on the lunch menu? We got a sandwich pack today, a nice little ham and cheese sandwich, some lettuce, tomato there, Craig. Uh, nothing too crazy. You know, I got a... Got to kind of kind of get the body right. I got a wedding coming up next year, Craig. So, you know, I'm trying to That's right. the shed to wed kind of thing. So I got to keep myself in check here. Little ham and cheese sandwich. Nothing too crazy, uh, but excited to be here. Excited that baseball is about to start back up, man. We got a game tomorrow in spring training. We got games over the weekend as well. You mentioned in the first hour, Max Scherzer going to pitch on Saturday. AJ Puck, someone to pay attention to Saturday as well. So very, very excited for it. How you doing, Craig? What are the plans? Uh, what do you got coming up this weekend? You're going to be out at the ballparks, right? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, tomorrow uh, we'll just kind of go back. It's the final day of practice in the area that I'm at in the in the South Florida area. Uh, Saturday, I'm hoping to, and I'm assuming to, after a, a big little league practice Saturday. That's that's first and foremost. But after little league practice, we've got our first night game of the spring between the Astros and Washington Nationals. That game that Max Scherzer will pitch in. I'm hoping to go to there, and then on Sunday back for another game. It'll be. Uh, Marlins and Washington Nationals. And then, of course, I'll be right back with you on Monday. And we're planning on uh, doing a live show next week from spring training as well. So all of these things are sort of coming together. Speaking of which, what is going on in baseball and across the world of sports? Let's find out with Dan Strafford as he has our Sports Grid News Update. Sports Grid News Update. Well, Craig, some updates from spring training. Carlos Carrasco of the Cleveland Indians did experience discomfort in his right leg while working out on Wednesday. Carrasco was using a crutch when he arrived back in the Indian spring training clubhouse on Thursday morning. He's been sent off for testing and imaging. Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya said Thursday that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will likely be the team's cleanup hitter in 2020. More lineup news. Anthony Rizzo is expected to primarily hit second this year for the Cubs. This comes after the announcement by David Ross on Wednesday that Chris Bryant will move to the leadoff spot. 
Twins outfielder Byron Buxton participated in live batting practice on Wednesday. In Twins camp, Buxton needed surgery last September to repair a torn labrum in his left shoulder. In the NFL, the new CBA proposal is expected to include expansion of the playoffs from 12 to 14 teams. Rather than two teams getting buys, only one would in this proposal. TMZ was the first report that Browns left tackle Greg Robinson was arrested by Border Patrol, having near 157 pounds of marijuana in his possession. He was charged with possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. And Cleveland Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry underwent surgery to repair a hip injury. He had put it off and should be ready for some time of training camp. And Craig, I heard you mention a big Little League practice coming up this weekend. One more story for you from the baseball ranks. For the Houston Astros, they've heard from most everyone in Major League Baseball on their cheating. Now they're getting hit by a slightly smaller audience, and that means by height, little leaguers. In a story from ESPN, we learned that a league 60 miles east of Williamsport, PA, is now recommending none of its teams, 23 in total, use the team name Astros this season. This is after two teams in Southern California and one in Buffalo did the same. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. That is, uh, you know, that is a shame. In fact, in the Little League uh, that I'm in, Frank, uh, I don't think that the Astros are being used this year. I'm, my my son is in the 8U, and I, I don't think that we have an Astros, but we did last year, and so that's, you know, another kind of fallout from this. But, look, you know, I, I think that's the thing that I've been kind of fighting with and I've been sort of asking questions is that when I show up there Saturday, Frank, it's like, you know, for me and for us, the most intriguing thing still remains the performance in fantasy baseball in 2020. And I know that this has become a national story, no question, for the right reasons. It is a big news story as well. But Frank, for me, it's always been kind of like, you know, who's going to be the fifth starter? Who should I be drafting? How many steals will Miles Straw have? How much playing time will Kyle Tucker have? And you know, it's it's that dynamic of fighting through the news and fantasy on this one. And Saturday when I go, I mean, those are the kind of things that I want to attack. I want to find out where those potential pieces fit. And I know that the cheating scandal is, is overwhelming that and taking over that. And I'm guessing certainly it will on Saturday as well for the first game. But, you know, for our focuses and winning fantasy leagues, it's more about what the performance on the field is going to be this year. Yeah, absolutely, Craig. And I think we have to find a way to kind of marry the two, right? Because, look, the cheating scandal is not going to go away. You know, do we expect the production of Alex Bregman or Jose Altuve to really take a step back because they're not using trash cans now? Like, I don't think anybody is saying that. But you do kind of have to factor in, you know, hit by pitches more, right? Like, we see the over-under number come out at, like, 83 and a half uh, on how many times the Houston Astros are going to get hit by pitches, we have seen throughout the past, you know, it seems like decade more than ever, players getting hit on their hand, on their wrist, and it, and it really kind of sidelining them for a large majority of the season. So I think that's something we have to try and take into account now when projecting the Houston Astros this upcoming season. But you're right. I mean, I'm, we're still diving into the numbers, trying to figure out, you know, what was sustainable from the Houston Astros from last year to this year. Yeah, I have reasons why I don't like Jose Altuve this upcoming season, and none of them have to do with, you know, trash cans or tattoo gate or anything like that it's it's performance related so you know that's really what I'm focusing on but I do think that we have to take some of the news that's coming out there's no doubt teams are going to be throwing at them 
There's probably going to be some altercations, some brawls throughout the course of the season, maybe some suspensions as well. I think that, you know, there, there's no doubt about that. Like, that's going to be a part of the 2020 baseball season, and it's it's hard to project and, and try and figure out and for this upcoming year, but I think it's something that you do kind of have to take into consideration when it comes to the Astros for fantasy baseball purposes, Craig. Yeah, and I think that for me, even with the players that are on the team, it's not even really about their ability at this point. I don't think that there's going to be a huge change in their stats, with the exception of the one thing that none of us can quantify, which is the mental toughness of some of these guys on the field. And I think that is the one thing that none of us really know about these guys individually that we're going to have to find out. It may just be the same skill set for every single one of those players that we've taken offensively in fantasy in the first five rounds. Correa, Bregman, Springer, all of them. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. But are they mentally tough when they go on the road? Are they going to be able to take this to a higher level? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be lower? You know, We simply don't have any idea. So that may be something to just keep an eye on as the, as the season starts and goes on. Um, the other interesting story that I saw yesterday not uh, having anything to do with fantasy baseball, Frank, but in six or seven months from now, when we kick back into the fantasy football talk, it looks like we're heading toward another week of the fantasy football season, which basically means a week 17 is a zero on a week 17, maybe even a week 16, too. Have you thought about how this would change the fantasy landscape with the new collective bargaining, essentially saying uh, another NFL playoff team doesn't affect us a ton in terms of what we cover here, but another regular season game? Does that mean two weeks potentially of? of non-fantasy relevance or Super Bowl is going to be have to be played week 15, week 16. How, how do you think that's going to work? Yeah, that's a fair question. I haven't really thought too much about it. Obviously diving deep into fantasy baseball here uh, and, you know, looking into all these players, looking into my Yohan Moncada stats here, Craig. Uh, but yeah, it's something that we're going to have to discuss at some point when it comes to fantasy football. You know, are we still going to have the same amount of weeks that we play our fantasy football season? Uh, you know, are we going to cut it one week? Uh, are we going to play a, se- a season more? I, I mean, a week longer. It's something that we're going to have to uh, figure out when it comes to uh, to fantasy football. But I, I really haven't thought much about it uh, yet. I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by this whole, you know, 14 teams, you know, in the NFL playoffs, adding another team to each conference, making the playoffs right. here, uh, and, you know, only having one team get a bye in each conference. I mean, I think that puts a lot more weight on, you know, trying to get that by, and I think that makes things a little bit interesting, more interesting uh, down the stretch from the NFL perspective. Uh, But adding an extra week, I mean, we already see so many injuries take place. I mean, it's a very dangerous game here, Craig. I mean, it just all seems so money-related, and that's what it comes down to oftentimes for many sports, but especially for the NFL. Like, why are we actually adding another week of football? Well, the reason being is it's going to make more money. There's more, you that's know, right. TV, and there's going to be more advertising deals, and uh, that I think that's the main reason. It's They're not looking out for the health of the players. I mean, for, for years, the players have been saying, we shouldn't be playing on Thursday night football. I mean, it's... They say that every football game is the equivalent of getting into a car wreck. Not even like an accident, a wreck. And these guys are playing three days later on Thursday, and now we're adding another week of that to the NFL season? I don't know, man. Seems dangerous. It seems like uh, it seems like a slippery slope here for the NFL, Craig. Yeah, what's also intriguing is to see if the league decides to do one of two things, because I don't think they could have it uh, any other way. Either there will be no week off in between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl, or they keep the week off, which certainly seems possible. And then the Super Bowl will be played President's Day weekend on a Sunday night 
with uh, nobody going to work on Monday, which is what a lot of people have wanted for a long period of All time. All right. I get behind that, Craig, for yeah, sure. We'll see what happens. All right. Third base sleeper options coming up next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I did it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfall. You got to take the bats. I offer a cigar roll. Chris Bryant's stolen bases going up more than 10%. Home runs will be there too, but the runs driven in is going to be the key number here in 5x5 five five leagues. I would have to guess at this point, you're going to have to downgrade those projections a little bit if this carries over to the regular season. All right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, we'll keep an eye on Chris Bryant in spring training. Games are getting underway 24, 48 hours. Craig Mish, along with Frank Stample, here with you guys until 1 o'clock on the East. Thanks for tuning in on audio or video today as we dive back into some fantasy baseball. And of course, part of what we do, Frank, is trying to predict and throw some darts at some sleepers and some busts at the position in 2020. And what's really different about the third base position, I think, as we've illustrated earlier in the show, if you can go back and watch on demand, just hit that rewind button and it'll take you back, is that there are so many really good options that coming up with sleepers at this position really isn't easy because there are players that are ranked 13th, 14th, 15th best third baseman that, uh, you know, you wouldn't even consider going that far down to take one of these sleepers that we're going to discuss. But uh, again, these are players maybe in an NFBC draft that you're taking in the 25th, 30th round. Remember, a lot of these drafts are 50 rounds. and You have to try to project it. But for me, Frank, this was a little bit of a tougher exercise because I didn't love a lot of the possibilities. But the two guys that I came up with today that I'll give you and this is simply just about playing time for me. And players that two years ago had really good years. Two years ago had really good years. Johan Camargo, uh, I took for $5. I remember this at the NL auction two years ago, Frank. I threw out Johan Camargo, $5. Everyone looked at me like I was nuts, going once, going twice. I ended up with Camargo. And you know what? His 2018 was really good. It was one of the better auction prices that I got. He graded out as like a $9, $10 player. Uh, and then conversely, Travis Shaw, I had him too last year. And so no surprise that these are both of my sleepers. Camargo, I didn't have last year. I had two years ago. And then Shaw, I did invest a lot last year. So this is simply about playing time for me, Frank, honestly. Uh, Camargo probably will not open as the starting third baseman for the Braves. But the playing time will certainly be there if Austin Riley does not hit in the early part of the season. All of a sudden, that becomes a platoon and then becomes more of a PT deal for Camargo. You could see 400 plate appearances if he could work his way into that. Remember, he could play other positions on the field as well. And Travis Shaw is an intriguing one. This is basically a late-round dart. It was certainly not good for news for his fantasy value to hear the story coming out of Dunedin in Florida with uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. maybe getting some playing time at first base. Definitely not good news for Shaw. Definitely got uh, not good news also that they have Brandon Drury there as well. But uh, a good April could lead to a bounce-back season for what we saw in 2018 for Shaw. The other you know, converse to this conversation and playing the other side of it is that if he struggles, Frank, Shaw could be out of a job very quickly. The Blue Jays did not invest a lot of time and a lot of money into this player. 
Uh, I was a big fan of his going into last year. It certainly did not work out. So I'll start off there. Those are my two potential sleepers in Camargo and Shaw. Yeah, and before I jump into mine, I'll just kind of piggyback your Travis Shaw call there. Very low floor, you're absolutely right, but where you're getting him right now, it's nothing but value. I mean, I think the ceiling is still very high. His average season between 2017 and 2018, 258 batting average, 31 and a half homers, 78 and a half runs, 93 and a half RBI, and seven and a half stolen bases. So, you know, if he can give you 75% of that production for where he's going right now, then that's a really, really good value. I'm with you when it comes to Travis Shaw. The two sleepers that I like are, are Brian Anderson, who I think maybe you can even tell me more about because obviously you cover the Miami Marlins, uh, and then the other person who is going up against Johan Camargo for that starting third baseman job uh, with the Atlanta Braves. And look, Austin Riley was awesome when he first got called up last year. Was. Wound up hitting 18 home runs, but the strikeout rate was just massive, Craig. Just Completely sunk him. 36% strikeout rate led to a 226 batting average. You know, the first month he was in the majors, he basically, you know, took the league by storm. He was, you know, smacking home runs off of everybody last year, was Austin Riley, uh, but then really came crashing back down to earth. I think if he can get that strikeout rate closer to where it's been in the minor leagues, he's someone that can hit 250 to 260 with some really, really interesting pop. He's going very late in drafts right now. You see the 274 ADP over at the NFBC. And then Brian Anderson, I don't know if this is a deep enough sleeper, but I threw his name out there. The projection systems on Fangraphs really like Brian Anderson. They have him for a 265 batting average, 20 to 22 home runs, solid runs and RBIs because he's going to be in the middle of that Marlins lineup. And, you know, he'll chip in maybe five stolen bases as well. Craig, what I really like about Brian Anderson is from 2018 to 2019, he raised his fly ball rate 7%. And I know that you have talked about you know, them potentially lifting the launch angle all throughout the Marlins because they have a new hitting coach. So is that something that you is that something you've talked to Brian Anderson about? Is that something he was consciously trying to do last year? Was lift the ball a little bit more? Because if he takes that one step further, if he gets that fly ball rate to forty percent, starts hitting some more line drives as well, we might be looking at twenty five home runs out of Brian Anderson. So he he's someone that I'm pretty interested in this upcoming season. Yeah, it's interesting, very similar to the player that we talked about yesterday in Starling Castro, who started launching more in the second half of the season. Brian Anderson started doing that, too. So it seemed like that was an organizational deal where they have their new hitting coach last year, uh, Eric Duncan, who they brought back again this year. And then, as you mentioned, the new hitting coach is James Rousen. He comes over directly from the Minnesota Twins, who were launching everything last year. So I'm guessing that the Marlins are headed in this direction. Can it be the same in Marlins Park as it is at Target Field? That remains to be seen, so we'll uh, we'll certainly see. But uh, the other part of, of Brian Anderson is last year his season ended after having a broken wrist, getting hurt, and he has a new protection on his wrist. So hopefully that will help there. Uh, you know, the good news here with Riley and Camargo, Frank, one of us is probably going to be right, right? Like, well, <laughs> Unless one of us they is, both suck, Craig, and then they trade I for mean, somebody. <laughs> right. One of us probably going to hit on on one of these guys. Uh, look, I drafted Riley in a couple leagues last year. I was so thrilled when he came up and he was just crushing it. It was every single day. It was like uh, him and Aquino last year had that incredible run. But you're right. The strikeouts peaked in. They weren't sustainable. I think that Riley is probably the starter going into the season. But very similar to Travis Shaw, I, I don't know that they'll give him two months. I don't know that they'll give him two months. If it doesn't work out, I think that they're going to have to 
you know, send him down or go through some sort of swing change. We'll have to see. I'm not going to look at the spring numbers in this case because Riley also had a fantastic spring last year. So this is more of a regular season deal. But I, I think that maybe the deal is, is that you take Riley and you take Camargo and you hope that one of them just separates themselves and you end up getting the same sure. player. Essentially, I think that's part of it. All right, let's take a look at my busts at third base for 2020. We'll start off with uh, Michael Franco of the Kansas City Royals. This was a basic giveaway by the Philadelphia Phillies. And what's interesting about Franco is two years ago, you had people in the industry and in the community saying breakout season. Last year, you had people in the community in the breakout season. This year, you're hearing nothing. Now, look, it certainly could happen. He could this year become the guy that we've been waiting for. It happened with Jorge Soler last year in Kansas City, too. So let's not dismiss that. There are home runs to be hit in that park. It is certainly possible. Um, I don't think so. I, I think that this is just a filler. I think that this potentially could be the end of the line for him. He was playing in a great environment, great lineup, great ballpark, and could get it done. So uh, clearly, I am I am going to be out on Mike Franco. And there are some people who feel that he'll be a sleeper. It will not be me. I will have him as a bust. I will not take him. And this is shocking to me that I even have him in this conversation on the New York Yankees, Miguel Andujar. But simply put, the Yankees have some options, you know? Like, they have other guys that can play this position. I don't think that Andujar has any room for error whatsoever, even if he opens up the season at third base with the club. Uh, okay defensively, I guess. Uh, injuries all of last year, for sure, no question about it. But because of Talkman and because of Ursula and because of Ford and all of these, and Voight and all of these DH slash first base slash third base options, I, I think Andujar is more of a trade candidate maybe than, uh, than anything else. I think he's got to get off to a good start or he's going to lose playing time real quick. Uh, best path to the big leagues is being available on the field, and he has not been. So uh, some people are taking, I've heard, Andujar uh, later in the drafts and saying the power is real and he'll get the playing time. I just won't be one of those guys. So I'm going to be out on both these two players, Michael Franco and Miguel Andujar. And honestly, this is not really a huge reach for me. This is not like diving into the first 10 players and, and calling somebody a bust like you will potentially. You're probably going to do a better job than me on this segment. I just found two players that I won't take. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the show and basically all throughout, I'm not going to own any Chris Bryant this year, Craig, and he leads off my bus at the third base position. Uh, I just... I think based on where he's being drafted right now, again, he's still a fourth, fifth round pick. Better in OBP leagues, better in points leagues. I just think if you play in 5x5 five five Roto with batting average, he's really a two, two-and-a-half category player, and I think you can find better players going around where he's going. I'd rather have Manny Machado. I'd rather have Yohan Moncada than him, and I think there are players going later on in a Josh Donaldson, a Matt Chapman, who could potentially even outperform what Chris Bryant is going to do this upcoming season. So I'm not going to own any Chris Bryant. I don't think he pays off the value where he's being drafted right now. And Matt Carpenter, much like your call on Michael Franco and Miguel Andujar, he's going later on in drafts. I wanted to throw this name out there maybe for home leagues, Craig, because I think some people are going to see the name Matt Carpenter and they're going to think, oh my God, I mean, Matt Carpenter has been you know so great for fantasy over the past couple of seasons. And maybe in you know, your standard home league, someone might think that they can get Matt Carpenter late in their drafts as a third baseman or, or a corner infielder or, or even a utility option. And 
I think this might just be the year where everything kind of crumbles down for Matt Carpenter. He's just dealt with so many injuries. He's had chronic back injuries. It started to affect his performance the past couple of years. I know back in 2018, he still uh, ended up hitting more than 30 home runs, but last year it really hindered his performance. He couldn't lift the ball as much last year. Continues to deal with these injuries, Craig. I'm out on Chris Bryant, uh, and for those of you who remember the name Matt Carpenter, I think it's kind of time to uh, cross him off your list. He's not someone that you should be targeting here in 2020, Craig. And and part of the game in fantasy, it's very easy to do, especially when it comes to Carpenter, is just realize that even though he's only been a thing for a few years, he is 34 years old too. So he is past prime in reality and probably fantasy as well. Two good names for Frank. Coming up next, we'll dive back into the NFBC's value, 500 through 600. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. All right, welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Frank Stample here with you on Sports Grid as we dive back into some discussion on the lower end of your fantasy baseball draft. Everybody knows, Frank, the higher end guys, you know, the one through 200, one through 300. And, uh, you know, as we get closer to March and as we get closer to people who are really doing their drafts, everyone has that innate ability to just draft off a queue and find the average draft position and and do that. But I think that what we're trying to serve you guys on a daily basis is some of those players who aren't going in 50% of drafts or 60% of drafts or even 80%. Like the 100% guys are really easy. It's harder to dig down and find the ones that you should take at the end, especially in leagues where you can't make any moves over the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I I enjoy this exercise that we do, you know, diving deep into the NFBC ADP. I know we've done done outside the top 1,000. We've done between 900 and 1,000. So I enjoy this. There's some really, really interesting names going later on in drafts. And you are currently, you know, taking place in the Tout Wars Draft and Hold, which is a 50-round draft. There's no waiver wire. And you're going to be, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel here in those, you know, 30-plus rounds later on. You're going to have to look at some of the names that we're probably going to talk about here today uh, because once you get into those rounds, there's not much. There's slim pickings there, Craig. So uh, I enjoy this exercise that we do. And I think for anyone out there who is participating in a, a draft and hold type format, this is something that you should be paying attention to as well. Yep, definitely more specialized. And and by the way, some of these names, even though they are more of mixed leagues names in the NFBC, they can also help you in the AL only or the NL only format because I know that there are some players that are still playing in that. I know it's not the most popular form, but uh, you know, 5 10% of the people maybe overall who play in fantasy baseball are playing uh, with some of these. All right, so um, I'll get started. I'll pick the first one here, and then we'll go one for one. We'll go. Uh, I'll start with uh, NFBC ADP 540. That's 540. That's Keenan Middleton on the Los Angeles Angels. He has been taken in 195 drafts so far. Okay, so he didn't pitch last year, basically. I mean, this was a guy that uh, two years ago was thought to potentially be the Angels' closer. You may remember Cody Allen was the closer there for the Angels. They've kind of gone through a number of different guys. Houston Street, I know that's a name, a blast from the past also. The Angels have been churning guys in the ninth inning for a while. And then last year, 
they used Hansel Robles in that spot, and he was fantastic. Make no mistake about it. But he doesn't have a lot of experience in the ninth inning. Middleton, if he's healthy, and again, that's a very big if. But again, look at look at the draft pick here. This is pick number 540. But if Middleton is healthy, he may not even be the backup option to Robles. Remember, they still have some other guys there. Uh, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Buttry is there. They also have uh, Bedrosian, who was there in the past. So he may not be the second or even third option. But the skill set is there. Middleton in 70 innings could probably strike out 90 or 100 uh, guys. So uh, maybe a handcuff at best to Robles, but someone that I that I think has a very high skill set and I think eventually could end up being the closer for the Angels. So going with a basically a handcuff here to start off with, Frank. Yeah, and he has nine career saves. And look, Hansel Robles was awesome last year, as you mentioned, Craig, but I think he's far from a sure thing. We've seen him implode, implode at times throughout his Mets career. So, uh, you know, we're we're never rooting for someone to lose their job, but it's just kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to the closing position uh, in real-life baseball and for fantasy baseball as well. So I think Ty Buttry would probably be the next man up, but sometimes we see the second, third, even fourth option on teams get save opportunities throughout the course of a long, long fantasy baseball season here, Craig. So I think uh, Keenan Middleton does make some sense for sure. 501 p. Adam Hazley, the outfielder for the Philadelphia Phillies, he has been drafted in 206 drafts so far over at the NFBC. He's a former first-round pick in 2017, has a little bit of a power-speed combination. Uh, Last year, played 67 games in the majors with the Phillies, wound up hitting 266 with five home runs and four stolen bases. He also had 10 home runs and five steals in the minor leagues last year, Craig. So obviously you covered the Miami Marlins. You get to see a lot of the uh, National League East teams. Have you heard anything about Adam Hazley? Uh, Because it seems as of now that he is the projected starting center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies in a good ballpark, in a really good lineup as well. So I'm actually kind of surprised that more people haven't spoke about Adam Hazley this upcoming season. Yeah, you know, I I think the thing with the Phillies is is that organization has had a really hard time producing that fourth outfielder that moves to the third. You remember Dominic Brown years ago, and then you had Roman Quinn. Um, you know, Odubel Herrera was there in the past and had some success before his off-the-field issues. And so I, I don't think that people just want to buy in. Jay Bruce is there as well. Uh, I, I think there's a shot to be taken here on this kid. And again, April baseball is not a good indicator as to what a major league player is. But if he succeeds in April, that's going to lead to more playing time for him in May and June and July. So I I certainly think there's an opportunity there and there's a shot for him. And so why not? He's being taken uh, so far in about half the drafts that have gone off in the NFBC. And there is a path to playing time with him there. I do wonder, by the way, why Odubo Herrera is even in camp. You know, they had the option of just basically saying goodbye. They removed him from the 40-man roster. so. There's just something part of me that tells me that at some point they're going to give Herrera another shot. I'm not sure why he's in in spring training, if indeed that uh, that is not the case. But uh, that that would be an issue if they did decide to use him again. Um, Okay, I'll go back to a player that I had on my list last year, and I'm going to put him again there this year because I do think that late in a draft, this is someone that I'm going to take, and I think he's stealing 20 bases this year. One of the fastest players in the American League, Miles Straw, his ADP is 553. He has been taken so far in 191 of the drafts, so a little bit less than half. Uh, Straw is is has no path right now. Okay, they just extended George Springer. We know what the outfield looks like with Michael Brantley and left, and you would have to assume 
that in right, at the very least, it's going to be a platoon of Josh Reddick and Kyle Tucker until they hand over the job to Kyle Tucker. But if you can get 300, and maybe that's a big number. Remember, he played a little infield last year, too. But if you can get 300 plate appearances for Miles Straw, and that's optimistic. He's their fourth outfielder, fifth at worst. He's stealing 20 bases this year. And a lot of players are going higher than him in the NFBC drafts that are being projected to steal the same or less. I think that there is stolen bases in this kid. And he's he's got to be able to play all over the diamond. He's got to kind of be their super utility type guy. But he showed that he could play a little bit of shortstop last year when they had some issues again with Carlos Correa. And of course, Alex Bregman moved over from third to short, played both different uh, positions. And if something should happen to any of the outfielders, I think more playing time is there. Keep in mind, you're not getting any home runs. You're not getting any runs driven in. That's a zero. It's simply batting average with him, runs and steals. And so uh, late in a draft, in a 40th round situation, 35th round situation, 50th round situation, I'm going to stash Miles Straw, see what happens. And I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier as well, Craig, that, you know, look, if someone gets hurt, if someone gets hit by a pitch with the Houston Astros this year and they're forced to miss time, then Miles Straw is someone that can step in. Again, he hit over 300 in his minor league career. He had a 70 stolen base season back in 2018 in the minors. So the speed is absolutely legit. I like that call as well. Uh, Craig, I'm going to go over to Jose Alvarado at pick 514, the reliever for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been taken in 218 drafts thus far. And let's remind ourselves that, you know, just a couple of years ago, Jose Alvarado uh, was, you know, seeing save opportunities for the Tampa Bay Rays. Last year, he had seven saves. The year before that, he had eight saves as well. Uh, and the guy has electric stuff. There's no doubt about that. Like, his swing and miss ability is is just insane. You watch his pitches, and he gets, like, movement on pitches that are, like, 99, 100 miles per hour. So I think the talent is there. With Alvarado, something we try to incorporate into our fantasy analysis is what's happening with the player in their real life, you know, off the field. And last year, there was a story that came out that Alvarado was trying to help get his parents to the United States. So we had a lot that was going on off the field where he was actually traveling out of the country very frequently to try to, to help them get here to the United States. That's something that might have affected him, uh, but he did have a 4.80 ERA last year. I uh, really, really struggled with walks. I like the strikeout upside. They traded away Emilio Pagan, uh, and now they're looking at Nick Anderson potentially as the closer. But I think Alvarado and Castillo are going to get some save opportunities here as well. Maybe it's only 10 saves, Craig. But maybe there's also a chance that Nick Anderson isn't the guy and Jose Alvarado gets 20 saves. So based on where he's going, definitely someone I'm interested in. I've already taken him in two drafts, Craig. Yeah, the Rays are going to use multiple players. They've done it in the past. They're going to do it again. Castillo, as you mentioned, will definitely be in the mix. Uh, Nick Anderson, I don't know that they'll use a traditional closer. So if you ask me to set a total of Alvarado's saves on the season, it would probably be four or five, and that's worth taking with the four with the 514th pick in the NFBC. So uh, although I'm not in on your third guy, which we'll get to, I am in on uh, Jose Alvarado. Um, my final one, boy, have the mighty have fallen, right? Michael Waka, are you kidding me? ADP 569 with the New York Mets? Listen, Waka got paid a decent amount of money, Frank, to pitch for the Mets this year. It's not like he's on a one-year, $1 million deal. This guy got multiple millions to be their fourth or fifth starter. He's been taken in 189 drafts. Michael Waka is not an SP1 or 2 or 3 or even 4. But the fact that he is probably going to be in the Mets starting rotation at the start of the year, health always has been an issue with him. I, I still think he's a starter 
in a back-end mixed league or in an NL-only league. It's just stunning to me, honestly, to see how far he's fallen, Frank. Craig, if you want to set up a gentleman's bet where my final uh, participant here on the show, Drew Smiley, uh, outperforms Michael Walker this upcoming season, I'm definitely down for that. And I'm starting to figure you out, Craig, because writing in Drew Smiley here on the list, I was like, Craig is going to hate my uh, Drew Smiley oh, for sure. There's no way one. that Craig is going to be in on Drew Smiley. Hey, final start of the year, 10 strikeouts. Now he's pitching with the San Francisco Giants. Just saying, just saying, oh. Craig. Oh. No <laughs> shot. <laughs> on that one. We'll be we'll be right back to wrap it up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Surface numbers for Carrasco last year were not very good. Hoping that he can get back on the mound and, and get close to the pitcher that he was a couple of years ago. But obviously, this is huge news. Someone that was being drafted, you know, inside the top seven, eight rounds is an SP2 and SP3. We need as many pitchers to stay healthy as we possibly can get. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. As Frank mentioned, uh, another injury in fantasy. Carlos Carrasco, if you want to go back and grab our thoughts on that, just go back and watch this on demand, and uh, you can hear us discuss it, where he kind of stands on our draft list right now. By the way, coming up in less than 15 minutes from now, Dane's going to be along with the Fantasy Freestyle, so make sure you stay tuned to that. And what's coming up on the BFFs later today, Frank? Oh, the BFFs. Today is February 20th, 2020. So we will be looking at players who went 2020 last year, 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And we'll also try and find some players that we think can do it this upcoming season, potentially going 2020. Everyone's trying to find stolen bases, Craig. So that's what we're going to try and help people do today here on the BFFs. 2-20-2020, full of 20s on the BFFs. Okay, we'll look forward to that. Thank you very much, Greg. Um, yeah, that's going to be my issue in the league that I'm in right now. In this uh, in this draft and hold league, I can see it that I am I am not going to be in the mix for stolen bases. So somebody like Miles Straw is going to be on my radar later on in the draft. Um, you know the deal, Frank, with this draft is that at this point, I think that I've accomplished everything except that that we've been through so far. I am ten rounds into the draft. I'll kind of uh, go walk you through here a little bit with it. But steals is something I don't have. I do believe I have wins. I have strikeouts. I have good ERA, I have good whip, I have a ton of power, uh, really good on base percentage, although my last pick will drain that a little bit, but I just, I, I had to take the player, I, I, I couldn't let him slip any further, this is like a, a 50 uh, player jump in terms of ADP, a player in the uh, in 90s or 100s is going you know, basically 140, 150, I had to do it, so uh, the last two picks, it was there was a little bit of a closer run, I hate to be at the end of the closer run, that really stinks. But some of the more at least reliable closers went off the board. And I was really, you know, Ken Giles was somebody that I wanted. I want him in all fantasy leagues this year. I think that Giles in Toronto is great as long as he's there. I think he's fine. So I ended up with uh, Alex Colome on the Chicago White Sox, my second White Sox player, by the way. I did take Jose Abreu. So I have Abreu and I have Colome. And then knowing that you have to field five outfielders. I didn't know how much further I could get into this without taking one of the better ones. So, look, Eddie Rosario, 
OBP is going to be a drain. There's no question. The best I could hope for is like 31%, something like that this year. I know it was a little bit lower last year. Some people are expending some, uh, expecting some pushback also for him as well. He did add Donaldson to the lineup, and he's going to be right around him as well. So I think he's more or less going to have the same year. And given that I had some pretty decent OBP guys at the top of the draft, I felt like I could take that shot. So, uh, look, I got 30 home run power in Abreu. I got 30 home run power in Machado. I got 25 home run power in Bregman. 30 home run power in Martinez. 30 home run power in Rosario. And maybe even 30 home run power in JT Real Muto. I think my offense stacks up against every other team in this league. The pitching may be not as good, but I think my offense will, and I'll have to kind of piece the pitching together now. Yeah, and I think it's a good point to remind people that you don't have many stolen bases on this team here, Craig. And maybe this is a fault of my own as well, because I do play in a lot of overall competitions over at the NFBC. And if you're competing for an overall, you can't punt categories. You have to be good in batting average. You have to be good in stolen bases. That's why you see me rank players like Jose Ramirez, my number one third baseman this year. Uh, Yuan Moncada inside my top 10 as well. But I will say this. For people who play in standalone redraft 5x5 Roto Leagues, you can punt a category and still win the league. It is doable. I have done it before where basically if you finish last in a category, you have to finish top three, no less. You have to finish top three in every other category. Now, it doesn't give you much wiggle room, of course. Like you're, right. you're going to need you know, your ERA whip and you're going to need good saves as well. And you know, saves are a very tough category to come by uh, throughout the course of the fantasy baseball season. But you can do it. It is possible. I have done it before. You can punt a category in Roto, but you need to be top three in all nine other categories in your league. So it's something to... You know, just keep in the back of your mind that it's doable. You don't want to punt a category. But looking at your team, you have a great OBP base already with Bregman and Martinez. Uh, and with Machado, Jose Abreu, Rio Muto, and Eddie Rosario, these guys all give you great four-category production there. You're not going to get many steals between all of those guys, but you have no. set yourself up well in OBP, home runs, uh, and with runs and RBI production as well. Um, so I think I like what you're doing here. You, you maybe you, you grab a few stolen bases, but it is possible. I just think that it was you know necessary to bring that up to people. You can win doing that. It just obviously makes your life a little bit more difficult, Craig. Sure, and and look, my pitching is probably not going to be top two or top three, but I still think Frank that I'll be able to piece some of the steals together. Uh, let me add, and then this is not and you know Malik Smith is somebody that I would have taken by the way. If he was uh, on the board at my last pick at this point in the draft, I would have done that. Um, let me ask you about one player that in terms of his uh, ADP is nowhere near where uh, a lot of these other guys are. I think I can get him in a few rounds from now. Uh, don't you think that Manny Margot in Tampa is still going to steal 25, 30 bases this year? Does he I mean, isn't he still going to be in line for 400 plate appearances? Is there worry with him this year that he's not going to play? Yeah, I'm worried about Manny Margot. Everything that sure. I've read is that they really like his defense. They're raving about his defense. Haven't really heard much about his offense. He does mash against left-handed pitching, something to keep in mind for DFS purposes. But, Craig, they have so many bats that they can use there in the outfield. You know Austin Meadows is going to play every single day in left yes. field. There's no doubt about that. But then Kevin Kiermeyer isn't in center, and he's a great defender. You know, potentially uh, a straight-up platoon there where Kevin Kiermeyer plays against right-handed pitching. Manny Margot bats against left-handed pitching. 
and I guess there's an opportunity for Margot to play sometimes in right field if they really want his defense out there. Because again, they've been raving about his defense, but they also have like five other players, Craig, that they can throw out there in right field from, you know, Jose Martinez to Yoshi Sutsugo. And they have all these different names that, you know, can play right field, first base, DH for the team. Uh, but it, it, does, it, it seems like they put a premium on defense here. That's why they really like Margot. Sure. I've always liked his upside he's never really been able to reach that I thought you know a couple of years ago with the Padres he was someone that can maybe give you you know 10 to 15 home runs and, and 25 to 30 steals he's never reached that potential and, and based on that log jam of playing time with the Tampa Bay Rays I think it's going to be hard for him to reach that you know stolen base potential this season as well how about Tommy Edmond Tommy Edmond would you project for 15 steals yeah I think he'll give you 15 steals I mean he's another one that you know if we're being honest, he's just been a hard player for me to project this upcoming season, just yeah. trying to figure out where he's going to play every day for the St. Louis Cardinals. And down the stretch last year, he was great. He gave you a little bit of pop. He gave you some speed. And it seems like the Cardinals always find these types of players, Craig, that are just like these scrappy guys that can give you some power, can give you some speed. Obviously, like Tommy Pham has come out of the Cardinals organization who, who does something similar to what you know maybe we right. expect from Tommy Edmond this upcoming season. Now, I like what I saw from the bat. I just, I'm trying to figure out how does he get in the lineup every single day? Left field, you know, maybe a super utility. They can use him in the id field a little bit if Matt Carpenter gets hurt. Uh, so I think if he hits, he's going to play, Craig. But that's also something we have to take into consideration. He didn't really get an extensive opportunity in the majors last year. Uh, but based on what we saw, what, what he did do what was pretty damn good. I think he'll probably give you 15 to 20 steals, yep. Yeah, I, I think that with him, my concern is is that like a lot of those other names that you mentioned with the Cardinals, they have a lot of success the first year, and then it's been that pullback on the second year. It just seems like all of those names, Biscotti, Richuk, even DeYoung, who got hurt the second year, Aledmas Diaz was another player who had a fantastic first year with the Cardinals, then did very little uh, with the playing time in the second year, too. So uh, I think that has to be a little bit of a concern, but again, I'm trying to just pick up steals. Um, Last one here. Uh, how about a late round pick on Dyson? Dyson doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, I love it in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I right? love it. Late, yeah, I, very I late. I took him in both of my NFBC draft champions so far. I think I just took him in uh, for reference. If you want to take Jared Dyson, I took him in the 29th round of this draft that I'm doing right now in the NFBC uh, draft champion. So I agree. I think he's probably going to give you 25 steals, and he's not going to give you anything else. But I mean, if he's someone that you just want to plug in for just the speed, I, I think he's going to give you. Exactly that. I don't believe these names have been drafted in your Tout Wars draft yet, but a okay. few guys I think that are undervalued this year are because they're older guys. I, I keep finding like these old veterans that I like, Craig, that are underappreciated. Elvis Andrus and Lorenzo Cain. Yep. I think that those yeah, are two have. guys that are going to give you 20 to 25 stolen bases. And, you know, especially with Lorenzo Cain, he's not going to hurt your OBP. He's not going to kill your home runs. He'll probably give you, you know, 10 to 15 home runs. Right. I like the bounce back for Lorenzo Cain this year, Craig. Yeah, I do too. Some steals will be there as well, for sure. All right, uh, let's wrap up the show as we always do with a little exit velocity. I feel the need. The need for speed. Exit velocity. Nice velocity. All right, I'll end the show with a little exit velo today. We'll let Frank handle the duties on Friday. Uh, I'll end it with this. Um, Alex Verdugo, in his uh, trade over to the Boston Red Sox, has decided to wear number 99. 
why has he decided this? It is an ode to one of his favorite ball players in Manny Ramirez. Now, look, let's be honest. Manny Ramirez, probably without all the PED suspensions right now, is sitting in Cooperstown. Instead, he's sitting somewhere in Italy playing in some weird baseball league. But look, if that's the kind of production that Alex Verdugo is looking for, then I think that we can be very excited with that. Also very excited to see him hugging Big Poppy. Can you get fantasy points via osmosis by hugging a guy? I'm not really sure. Verdugo is definitely an interesting player to watch if he's going to take on the kind of persona of Manny Ramirez and hanging out with David Ortiz. Maybe somebody that you want to take an extra eye on this upcoming fantasy baseball season. And we'll end the show with that today. Uh, Frank and I will be back tomorrow here on the show with a preview of the shortstop position in fantasy baseball. Thanks once again to our producer, Chris Pavona. On the updates was Dan Strafford. For my co-host, Frank Stamfel, I'm Craig Mish. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on the Sports Grid Television and Radio Network. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. Fantasy Freestyle is next with Dane Martinez. Have a great Thursday, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.